All right, what's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Good News Cast. Uh, great to have you listening. We are in the middle of, really, the beginning of uh, a series on TULIP. And maybe you've never heard of that acronym. It's just an acronym uh, that, that opens the door to a lot of great theological discussion, discussion on what the Bible says about things that really hit home uh, in our own lives, like sin and God's grace and the work of Christ. So if you've never heard of the acronym TULIP, don't worry. Um, we're going to kind of start breaking it down so that maybe when you do hear about it or get into a conversation, uh, you've got some understanding of it. My name is Colin Coates. Again, good to have you listening here with Jeff Hatton. Colin. Senior pastor of Redeemer here in good old Waco, Texas, um, setting the world hey, an example. are you going to explain our new desk setup at all? So to our <laughs> listeners who cannot see... Uh, we change up our desk. We used to have one big desk that we sat at. Now we have two individual desks. So currently Jeff is not looking at me. He's looking away from me because the mic setup doesn't really work on these desks. Our hope is, and listen, if you are one of the, those tech gurus, Mm. um, our hope is we're trying to set up uh, a podcast, uh, situation that we can video. We want audio and video, put all this up on YouTube, um, or the highest paying company who wants to pay us for the videos. Uh, but if you're a tech guy and you want to help me with that, please do, because I despise doing that stuff. Um, anyways, that's yes. where we're at. Uh, here in Waco, Jeff, before we get into it, we're going to talk about uh, total depravity, explain yeah. exactly what that means and what we mean by it. That's the T in Tulip. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two questions. One is first, how is your neck oh my neck can we yeah. talk about this publicly yeah, i guess we can you know it's just old old injuries that have uh crept up on me as well as probably mma did not help at all either so i've got bone spurs arthritis pinching nerves and uh just sending a cascade an avalanche of uncomfortableness <laughs> but after all i got a great doctor and i've got some physical therapy tomorrow so hopefully that'll kind of loosen things up it right now it does feel pretty stable it feels pretty good so i'm really looking forward to figuring out what i can and cannot do with uh, the stretching or the exercises or the manipulation that should help give a little more relief but yeah thanks for asking it's, it's going definitely better than it was this time last week um don't look at me when you talk because nobody can hear you um second question yeah. are you guys Going on vacation or doing something fun this summer? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, actually, Ty and I in July are going to go to the Rocky Mountain National Park oh. and then to the Badlands. And we're going to camp out. We're going to rent a truck, a pickup truck, and we're going to put sleeping bags in the back of the pickup truck. And that's our that's our camp. Dude, just you and Ty? Just me and Ty. What's Nancy going to do? She's probably going to have lots of fun okay. and be glad to get rid of the boys. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. No, it just, that, it's so funny you asked that because that just transpired like two nights ago. Dude, that's going to be, we we went to Vail last summer and I have just this new, I mean, I've always loved the mountains. I've loved hiking. I've been to Colorado a couple of times, but going to Vail last summer was like a new door to a new paradise that Mm. now like any talk of the the mountains, Colorado, I'm just like, oh gosh, I got to get back. Yeah. No, I, we're looking so forward. To it. We were going to go to the Grand Canyon, uh, but that evidently is too hot this time of the year. Yeah. So we're going to stick to what we're doing. But the Badlands actually has a Grand Canyon kind of feel. I mean, that I'm so excited to see that. Um, the pictures are pretty amazing. Sweet. 
Uh, good. All right. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive into uh, total depravity. Um, what we mean by that? Uh, define, uh, Jeff. Define just kind of yeah, somewhat briefly. quickly. Just just total depravity. I mean, literally just the terms of what that's referring to. But then, yeah. what I want to hear you talk on is. Um, just the the basics of the importance. So obviously we're talking about something negative. Right. Depravity doesn't right. sound great. What's the importance of understanding thoroughly yeah. uh, what the Bible says about sin? Why is it helpful? Why do we need to dive into that topic at all? Yeah. So sin. I mean, why why does even the, the tulip start this way? Because uh, what we do with the dilemma, what we do with the nature of what we need to be rescued from obviously will determine the rescue, it'll determine the salvation, it'll determine the glory of the work uh, that Jesus accomplished. So understanding exactly uh, what the problem is, understanding what we do with sin is going to affect what we do with grace, that the two rise or fall together. So if you have a uh, shallow view of sin, uh, it will lead to a shallow view of grace. If you have a um, a deeper and more desperate need of deliverance, then the deliverance will be more glorious and more majestic uh, and more exalted. So the reason why theologians have talked this way uh, and starting with this total depravity is to actually help us get a handle uh, on what Jesus has done for us and to get a handle on the actual dilemma or the problem uh, or the need of rescue or redemption or salvation that we have. So that's the need. Um, If we were to kind of briefly talk about what this thing means, last time we talked, we gave it, let's do an image and then let's give some straight up sticky statements. Let's say the image again is back to the Coast Guard. It's back to the person that's drowning Uh, there's two types of perspective of the need of salvation. One is a person is drowning and grace or salvation is assisting the person uh, in their um, recovery and assisting the person in their rescue. So if you're drowning and you throw out a life preserver, uh, you are grabbing the life preserver and the Coast Guard is pulling you in. It's It's this partnership, it's this cooperation that happens between Uh, your need and grace or salvation. But if you are not drowning and you're actually dead at the bottom of the ocean, then uh, it requires an actual miracle. It requires uh, a redemption or a rescue uh, that you are unable to actually um, cooperate with. Uh, It would be more like uh, the lifeguard or the salvation or the savior jumps down, takes you out of the bottom of the ocean and then breathes new life into you. And now you are rescued from where you had been. So total depravity is touching on the reality of actually being spiritually dead. Um, Obviously we're physically alive, but spiritually dead, spiritually alienated from God, spiritually uh, broken, spiritually corrupt, spiritually guilty, uh, and total depravity is trying to wrap up all that legal language and uh, dynamic relational power language of the consequences of what sin has done to us. Uh, So total depravity certainly does not mean that you are as bad as you can be, but it does mean that you are spiritually dead. 
It does mean that there is no life of God in you. It does mean that the spiritual realities of the kingdom of God and the glories of heaven uh, are not a part of your existence and not a part of your nature. Uh, that realm of the kingdom of God uh, is not your realm. The realm that we live in, in in a totally depraved state is the realm of the dead. It's the realm of sin. It's the realm of the dark powers of death, of the evil one. Uh, it is that realm. It's a pretty desperate, um, hopeless uh totally dependent on a divine rescue type situation. So um, to to kind of bring some color and texture to a number of those things that, that I kind of want to break down and bring, bring clarity to, um, total depravity, it's total, um, it's, it's uh, well, it's a depravity that's total. So Correct. you already said this, um, we're not saying... Because we, we would hold to the, um, we'll say, reformed understanding of total depravity. Okay. Correct. Now, breaking down what that means, um, mm-hmm. some may say, well, it sounds like what you're saying is I'm as bad as I possibly could be, meaning I'm, it's total. It's 100% evil, sinful, and therefore I am I am as evil and as sinful, and I am sinning as much as I possibly uh, ever could. Is that an accurate view? If it's not an accurate view... Why total? What is the total getting it? Uh, that is not an accurate view. It's total in that all that we are uh, is separated and alienated and in the realm of the dark power of sin. I think it's really important to understand that sin, uh, as we're talking right now in terms of total depravity, is something that we're in not something that we do primarily when we're talking about total depravity. So we're in the realm, uh, we're under the dominion, the reign, the rule, the kingdom uh, of sin. And that means that um, all faculties, our thinking, feeling, our nature is now night. Uh, You could kind of think of it this way, that we were obviously made uh, fully human and flourishing to be with God, so we were in... Uh, relationship with God, so everything worked the way it was supposed to work. Our minds were working the way they were supposed to work. Our emotions were working the way they were supposed to work. Our our hopes, our trusts, our loves, our desires, our doing, our acting, our relating, the way we were to relate to the world. Uh, everything was as it should be. Uh, but if you if you leave God. <laughs> What else is there? If God is life, if God is light, if God is uh, everything good, beautiful, and true, right? Uh, Turning away from God, leaving God, being separated from God, from life is active death. It is the negation of life, but it's not just the the absence of life. It's an active absence of God. So this realm of the dead, this realm of sin, this realm of the evil one who uh, went there first and created this realm, uh, this is where we are. And so total depravity is describing that dynamic. We're in this condition um, legally, and we're in this condition uh in a participatory way, um, this is who we are. It's helpful to, to clarify because uh, it's easy to only think about sin in terms of like, uh, you know, 
the hand gesture uh, bec- at the car that cut me off. It's it's um or the word I said or the thing I did, which those things are a part of sinning and being sinful. But that's like the the full fruition of our sin, but it starts in our hearts. It starts in our faculties. It starts in our spirits, our minds. So total depravity is really getting at that. It's trying to talk about, you know, the core of who we are is sinful, is twisted, is, yeah, curved in on itself. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the harshest way we could say it, it's, separated from God, alienated from God, mm-hmm. not reconciled to God, mm-hmm. an enemy of God, right. and and that means yep. bad. So we're not saying the faculty of thinking uh, was abolished. The faculty of thinking is still present. It's just that our thinking is no longer connected to God yeah. and the ultimate realities and our feelings and our will and our uh, the way our bodies work, everything. And that's also to... Um, final condemnation what uh what is the final payment of sin is that there is an absolute uh brokenness of every part of us uh but that has been postponed and uh jesus um on the cross takes that penalty but that's something that we'll talk about uh at another time so as this relates to just to touch on it um and then we'll move to, to touch on a couple other things. But uh, as it relates to the debate about faith, mm-hmm. okay? So um, the, the the big debate about faith is uh, you, you have two major, major camps, um, at least that it seems uh, to me. One is that, yes, we're sinful uh, through and through, but um, I am not so sinful and I'm not so bad that I can't on my own believe in Jesus, I'm not so bad that I can't on my own understand my sin and then understand who my Savior is and receive him and rest in him. That's one camp. The other camp says, no, you are so bad and you are so sinful and you are so twisted that you would never believe in Jesus um, on your own. So if you could speak to that for a minute in terms of how bad how dire the situation really is. Yeah, I think it's kind of like this. It's more like uh, the situation of total depravity is describing the reality of being in a swamp uh, and grabbing the top of your head and pulling on your hair and trying to pull yourself out. That that's how that's how desperate it is. That it, obviously that can't happen. There needs to be uh, someone a rescuer, a savior, a redeemer who comes from the outside and saves us completely mm-hmm. and comprehensively. Uh, and the Bible talks about that salvation or that redemption in terms of justification, sanctification, and glorification, a comprehensive salvation. Um, so that's that's the dynamic here. So again, it's I'm either drowning or I'm dead at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, each of those conditions will lead to a different rescue and lead to a different deliverance. Um, each of them will have a grander or greater notion of the grace of God or a lesser notion of the grace of God. Uh, so total depravity is saying you're not drowning, you're actually dead. Total depravity is saying is that you're, you're in the swamp and you're helpless and unable to pull yourself out. In other words, it's so bad that 
sin is described in this way that we really don't want to pull ourselves mm-hmm. out. We really don't see our need for a Savior, and we, we have no desire ultimately uh, for God, his love, his grace, his salvation. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to, I was going to say that a part of the, I don't know if irony is the right word, but um, of being dead is that we're so, Ephesians 2, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Uh, we're, we're born um, that way. And a part of that deadness is being utterly, utterly, utterly convinced that you are totally alive and you are totally okay uh, for the most part. And no way on earth is the situation with you so bad that God himself would have to take on flesh, mm-hmm. live for you, die for you, and rise for you. I mean, that that's a part of the deadness is that it's so, it's this deceiving darkness that says, no, 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 everything's light and life and good and you know, if you were to stand before God and he were to judge you through and through, he would find very little fault. You know, of course, here and there, there's some things wrong and some things you could fix, but that's what sin, that that's the deceitfulness of sin is that that's how a, a that's how we think in our flesh. In yeah. our flesh, we think I don't have flesh. In our sin, we think I don't have sin. And that is part of the core problem is I don't need God. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Edwards in his he has a, a a lecture or a teaching called the freedom of the will, and he's just basically saying that for for a totally depraved person, for a, a normal sinner that comes into this world and unregenerate in terms of theology, uh, the option of God and the option of Jesus and the option of the realities of the kingdom of God are not even objects within uh, a person's. Um, choices or a person's vision of the world. Uh, when we're broken and we're sinful, uh, what we see is our nature is night, and so the the object of God and the realities of God aren't even a part of the options of our choices. And then in terms of our heart, uh, they're not a part of our desires or our trusts or our hopes or our wants or our loves. It's just not there. Um, we are seen uh, the realities of a broken human being, fallen human being, and we are desiring and emoting and wanting and trusting and loving what a desires of a broken human being is. And uh, those uh, realities of God and his kingdom are not a part of that. It's almost like uh, when we're talking about a person making a choice, the, the, the object of God is not even a part of the choice. They don't, there's mm-hmm. no desire for it, and it's not a part of the vision, the mm-hmm. scene of reality. It's just not there. So it's, that's why preaching uh, is so important, because preaching is actually giving an object that was never there before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's giving an object of faith that's not present in a fallen human being. Mm-hmm. The wonder of who Jesus is, what he's accomplished, the grace of God, the love of God, this is now outside in realities outside in good words outside in of a breakthrough of reality that that actually brings new eyes and brings uh it brings the reality of wow this is who god is this is who jesus is and what he's accomplished that's called revelation and that's what happens in preaching and the hearing of the scriptures so um i want to end on on you commenting on one thing but 
uh, maybe as you're listening, you realize this this uh, raises a lot of questions. Um, namely, okay, if we're totally depraved, if we're dead in our sin, we're dead at the bottom of the ocean, uh, why and how does anyone come to believe? Why uh, does this person believe in Jesus, but this person does not? Um, uh, how do I come to faith? I mean, h- how does that happen? Why is why did I come to faith in Jesus? Where did my faith come from? Um, will I continue to believe in Jesus for the rest of my life? Uh, a lot of that gets covered in the rest of the acronym in these different theological topics we're going to talk about, whether it's election or the atonement or irresistible grace or um so so if we get this domino right uh biblically a lot of the other ones start to make all the more biblical sense and Mm -hmm. we get more clarity as kind of the dominoes fall um and we're going to get to all of that okay so but the last thing um jeff if you could talk about is is the change that happens so Mm -hmm. uh, a totally depraved person like like me i was born dead in my sins right two things just to touch on briefly because we're going to touch on these a lot more when we when we tackle faith with irresistible grace but does god change me in order to justify me does Mm. he infuse something in me in order to make me a justified person um, does he change all of this total depravity in order to forgive me and justify me? Mm. Um, yes or no, and why? Um, and then just speak to a little bit, now as a Christian, uh, what do I expect regarding my depravity? No, that's great. Does that make sense what yeah, I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, so Paul says that God justifies the ungodly, which is absolutely scandalous. <laughs> yeah. And it's absolutely, like, ridiculous, and it's absolutely counterintuitive, and it's absolutely, like, that's not what religion is all about. Like, religion is all about, actually, God saving good people, and it's actually being accepted by God because of, things you do and because of your effort, your self-effort, and it's usually being a good person or doing the right things. Um, So this is radical. When the scripture says, when Paul says God justifies the ungodly, uh, justification means he declares an ungodly person uh, acceptable and righteous and welcomed. You can come uh, in a relationship with God is, is breathtaking and it's, it's scandalous. Um, so what does that mean? That means that uh, when God justifies the ungodly, it means that God is actually uh, paying the debt of someone's sin, the guilt of someone's sin, actually bearing the condemnation of someone's sin legally, uh, and also um, for them, taking their place on their behalf, and what Jesus does at the cross is that he bears the justice and the judgment and the nothingness and the condemnation and the alienation of sin on our behalf, uh, dies that death. And then Jesus lived a perfect life, that he lived a righteous life. He lived the only perfect human being life He was the only perfect human being, the only righteous human being. And so based on Jesus's righteousness for us, Jesus's humanness for us, 
Jesus's life, that he loved God perfectly for us. He loved people perfectly for us. He resisted making uh, money his ultimate security and hope. He resisted making uh, the romance or the love of another human being his love that energizes his whole life, uh, which is making idols. So he didn't sin, and then he lived and handled um, human relationships perfectly. He handled and trusted God perfectly. He lived by every word that came from the mouth of God perfectly. Uh, He handled food perfectly. He handled conflict perfectly. He handled uh, his sexuality perfectly for us. And thereby, he actually accomplished a righteousness that God now credits, that God now, what the theological word is impute, that God now gives freely to be received by an ungodly person. And the gist of it is that person hasn't changed, his nature hasn't changed, he's ungodly. His debt, his death has been paid. Uh, Her righteousness, uh, her perfect life uh, has been freely given and received, not achieved by her, uh, but freely received as Jesus' own very righteousness. You want to think of it like many images throughout scriptures, clothing and a robe that Jesus gives his royal robe of righteousness and wraps it around the sinful, ungodly human being uh, based on that royal robe of righteousness that is absolutely the ungodly person's royal robe of righteousness. Uh, God uh, justifies and accepts, uh, and is, that person is enough. But underneath, if you were to take that robe off, they're, they're the broken totally depraved human being. So it's totally dependent on Jesus's death, totally dependent on Jesus's perfect life. Now, the the other question you asked is this. I'm going to put it in this way. I want you to think of, since this is the age of the zombies, I want you to think of a zombie apocalypse. And I want you to think that uh, the total depraved nature is a zombie nature, which means it's certainly physically alive, but it's spiritually dead. Uh, so they're uh, a zombie nature, a totally depraved person, according to Tulip, is physically alive, spiritually dead. It's one person with one nature, and that one nature is spiritually dead. What happens to a Christian is, is that when Jesus exits the tomb, he actually takes us with him, and we're now united to Jesus, and we're now given his spirit. And so by the addition of a new nature, by the addition of the nature that Jesus accomplished for us as a perfect human being that the Spirit now gives to us, which is called new life uh, in union with Jesus, we now have uh, new life. Uh, the term born again has is, is been used, but it's we have the addition of a new nature. And so a Christian is now... Uh, one person with two natures by addition, but the addition of the spiritual life by the Spirit uh, is a game changer, and that's the beginning of what is called sanctification and the cleanup uh, of the Christian and the new nature that this person has. But the zombie self, the sinful self, is still attached, but notice it's no longer the ruling, dominating, controlling nature that it once was so before we martin luther uh talked about before we set our minds to be 
different people or do good works or um, whatnot, uh, it's already happening because God is already doing it. And so through the, through the, through the same faith that we receive Christ and his righteousness and are justified, through this same faith, we are united to Christ and the power of sin, the dominion of sin is broken off through this same faith. As we look to Christ and rest in him, God's spirit works in us and works through us, changes us, molds us, um, and is working actively in us to kill sin, to um, uh, make us alive to holiness and good works and loving God and loving our neighbor. And so, um, so we're not just left in our deadness, right? Justified people who just are dead and right. We're, we're given faith. We're going to talk about this in another uh, podcast. We are given faith, come alive, um, justified on the basis of Christ alone, not on the basis of being changed people, not on the basis of being sanctified people or people being sanctified on the basis of Jesus accepted, forgiven, pardoned forever and ever. And thank God he has begun before we even realize it, the work of sanctification and cleaning us up and changing us, which in this life, relatively, we will look at it in this life as a small beginning, I think is fair to say, um, compared to glorification, compared to when all sin and all suffering is wiped out. Um, but a beginning no less at, at, at living our new life in Christ and loving God and loving other people. So, um, all right. I think that's all we got time for today. Um, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like it, review it, share it with a friend. You can find all episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and elsewhere. Also at www.goodnewsnotgoodadvice.com. And as always, reach out anytime through that website. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, So until next week, peace. Peace.